0: We shared an alarming statistic last week, and that statistic was is that for the first time in the history of the United States, uh, we now have less than 50% of people who identify with any type of church that go to church. That means that over 50% of those who live within the United States of America are not in church today, have no affiliation with church, and therefore they are in a condition Where if they were to die without Christ, they're going to go to a place called hell. And that should alarm and concern all of us. And that's why we come to church week after week is so that we can be strengthened in our faith. So that we can have the courage to tell others about Jesus Christ. But sometimes life throws a curveball and we're still in the middle of that curve it seems I'm thankful that we're getting back to some normalcy and we're sitting with our friends and and uh we are we're able to sing next to each other the choirs back together uh, uh the virus rate has come way way down in Pima County there's a lot of uh, of good things but people still are slow Uh, to to come come back back to church. church. We've We've been been thrown a curveball. We've called that living outside the box. box. Our box has been squashed. And for many of us, uh, there's been some hard times over the past 14 months or so. Um, And what we expect to be able to shake hands, hug someone's neck at church, or, or to be able to pass an offering plate, or, or things that happen when we go to a restaurant that were normal prior to February of last year. Uh, many of those things have been squashed and changed and and we've had to do church different. We go to the doctor different. We can't. Do you realize that Pastor Howard and I still, uh, since February of last year, we have been unable to go make visits at the hospital when people are sick. In fact, we had a baby born last week and, um, and, and I had to apologize. I said, I'm so sorry that I can't come to the hospital and see your new baby and pray uh, with your family as we always do after someone is born. Our life has changed. And by the way, I do. We think there's many things that, that will never, never go back, back to what, what we call normal. So we're living outside the box. Please turn to the book of Jonah. We're going, going to look at, at another Bible, Bible character. And over these past several weeks, we've been looking at Bible characters who their life was going along and something happened and they had to live outside the box. I want to talk to you about a guy in the Bible though, who's a little bit different than some of the Bible characters we've been looking at this guy he chose to make his own decision to live outside the box of God's will his name is Jonah and you don't have to know much about the Bible maybe you're visiting for church for the first time and you don't know anything about even church but most people have heard the story about this man uh, who was swallowed by a fish and this is one of those books in the Bible where skeptics they'll point out and they go, aha! This proves the Bible is not true. This story in the Bible proves it's not true. This couldn't have happened. I read about a little girl who was studying about the ocean, and her teacher said to the students, "Oh, nobody needs to worry about going near the ocean because there's no creatures out there in the sea that can swallow a whole person whole. A little girl raised her hand said, I learned in church that a large fish swallowed Jonah whole. The teacher scoffed at the idea. It's impossible. It could never happen. The little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah myself. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah didn't make it to heaven? And the little girl, without missing a beat, she said, well, then you can ask him. This story, in a nutshell, is about God's plan for Jonah's life, about God's love for all the people, and fundamentally about Jonah's refusal to stop, to listen, and then to do what God had instructed him to do. May I just say, running away isn't all it's cracked up to be. If you run away in a more eternally significant sense, it's not everything you thought it would be either. What I'm What I'm talking about is what happens when you ignore God's stop sign and you choose to run away from Him. You just say, hey, I had it. I'm packing it in. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to run from God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, this year we've examined numerous people who had events take place in their life that was not of their choosing, but this morning's story is a little different in that Jonah deliberately ran away from God. In fact, music can often illustrate a story and I asked uh, I come up several weeks ago I come up with this idea I played this song for Tabitha and I said Tabitha I would like to sing this song uh, during one of my messages and so she went about trying to find the music couldn't find the music and she sat down and wrote the music for the song we have such incredible talent here on our staff now I have to tell you that the song uh, that I'm talking about it comes from the mountains of North Carolina I'm from West Virginia uh, I can identify with this it represents is my heritage. I'm going to ask three young ladies in Tabitha if they'll come and they'll help me out with a song to help us illustrate the story this morning. And I trust that uh, uh, this, uh, th- this will... Uh, uh, I know it's a little bit different, but it's going to be okay. And, um, and so uh, we will enjoy this together as they tell the story of Jonah. And in just a moment, we'll be in Jonah chapter number one. So indulge me as these three ladies sing this amazing, very theologically deep song. God
1: told Jonah, go. preach in a foreign land. Oh, but Jonah didn't go and Jonah didn't preach. Oh, what a foolish man. So he jumped in a boat and they threw him in the sea. A great fish swallowed Jonah. Oh my, oh me. After three
0: many of you smiling, and there's one guy. (laughs) Ladies, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Maybe we'll have to have you sing that again at the end, just to remind us. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Mittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up, and to up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found his ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with him into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So I brought my backpack this morning. Often uh, you see students who carry backpacks. And Many of you, if you've ever traveled, you carry a backpack. Perhaps if you go to work, you carry a backpack. A backpack represents us carrying some essentials, uh, carrying things that we need on a trip, carrying our books if we're going to class, carrying things that are important like our lunch and supplies if we're going to work. Well, I brought my backpack this morning. I want to illustrate from our message this morning some things that are essential to put into our backpack. And so let's make sure that if I'm going to run from the Lord, that I put some things in my backpack. And with that, I'd like to share five things that are absolutely necessary if you are going to run from the Lord. No doubt in a congregation this size, there are some people that you're not as close to the Lord as you have been in other times in your life. No doubt, as there's people watching my live stream and will watch perhaps in future uh, live streams or pick us up on YouTube, they'll watch this message and they'll be touched because they fit into this outside-the-box scenario. That is, they've chosen, you have chosen to do your own thing. It's so easy to miss church. It's so easy to do this and that, that that's apart from the Lord. So for the next few minutes, we're going to look at some things that will help us be successful as we run away from the Lord. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning, in the time that we have to focus on your word, to learn something from this story that you have placed in your word, and may we learn, and may we learn lessons of how we shouldn't run from you. But Father, for that man, that woman, that teenager, that college student who has decided that you're not all that important like they have figured life out I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict and draw them back to you this morning in Jesus name amen to successfully run from God the first thing that you must put in your backpack it's very important and that is is that you must accept your separation from God you must accept your separation from God. So go ahead and throw that in the bag right there. It's important. You have to accept your separation from God. You're going to have to put this in your bag. Separation. When you run from God, you're not separated because God has moved away from you. You're separated because you made the decision to move away from God. Look how this story unfolds here in the Bible. But Jonah rose up to flee into a city called Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then the Bible says this, he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, the Bible says. And so he paid the fare thereof. He bought a one-way ticket out of town. Look at verse number three. The Bible says that he went down to the seacoast. This not only indicates the geographic direction of Jonah's life, but the spiritual direction as well. It could best be stated that Jonah went down to Joppa, down into the boat. Here's the deal. Everyone listening, if you're going to survive, a Life running away from God you've got to accept the overall decline and the downward spiritual spiral of your life in your soul Here's a caution for anyone here this morning who might be running from God It might appear that your life is just fine. You might say something like this. Uh, hey Everything's going very well. You might be enjoying what you seem to to, to think it's your freedom from God. But I have to tell you, sooner or later, you're going down. You're going down, down, down. It is just a fact of life. Notice Jonah goes down, and here's what's interesting. I love how our Bible is written. It says that he paid the fare thereof. We always pay when we live a life separated from God. There's always a payday. Verse number four says this, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. The Bible says Jonah, he went down to the boat alone. He had to pay the full price alone. He's confronted with the storm. He is separated from God. How comfortable are you facing a life that's totally separated from God? It's a different experience if you face a storm and you're connected to God. But if you face a storm and you've chosen to deliberately run away from God, it's a different matter if you're in the middle of a storm and you're disconnected from God. Romans chapter 8 has several promises to believers who will be followers of Jesus. Paul said this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How different that experience than the experience of Jonah being separated from God. How different for all who blow through God's stop sign and run from God. To run from God, you have to accept this premise. I'm willing to be separated from the God of heaven. Jonah didn't just try to run. We've learned in our story, he also tried to hide. God said, go this way, and Jonah went that way. Um, there are times that we think that we can literally physically hide from God not only did he try to run the opposite direction but he got on board with a bunch of sailors I, I think he was trying to hide out among the crowd I ask you can you really hide from God I read about a student from USC in a class taking an exam there were 400 students in this class It was the finals. The professor was very hard. He was rigid. Uh, He said, I want your hands on your desk. I don't want you touching your pencils until I say begin. And once I say begin, you have exactly one hour. I will tell you to stop. You must put your pencils down, and then you will turn in your exam. If you do not stop when I tell you to say stop, you will automatically fail. So the class is there, 400 students. professor says, Begin. The students started writing fast and furious their essays after an hour. Right on the dot, the the, the professor said, stop. Everybody stop. Put their pencils down. Uh, They carried their papers. They began to build this uh, stack of exams on the professor's desk. And they began to file out, except for one student. There's always one. He continued to write. The professor cleared his throat student paid no attention. The student kept on writing, and the professor finally said, Young man, I said it was time to stop. And uh, the young man finally stopped. He walked up to the professor's desk, and the professor said, Young man, didn't you hear? I told you that you would automatically fail if you did not stop when I told you to stop. And the professor said, outraged at this casual young man's attitude that he would disregard his instruction, he says, What is your name? The student showed surprise. He said, you don't know my name? He said, of course I don't know your name. I have 400 students in this class. Well, good. So the student, he lifted up a a stack of papers, put his exam right in the middle, put them back down, and he walked out of the class. (laughs) Now, there's a spiritual point to my illustration, and that is this. God knows who you are. There are no surprises. God's never going to say, what is your name? What is your situation? God knows who you are. God knows where you are. Notice how Jonah's separation from God increased. God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was about 550 miles to the northeast. Uh, Jonah went to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles to the southwest, just south of Gibraltar. In other words, for Jonah to get back to where God wanted him, instead of traveling 500 miles, he was now going to have to travel 3,000 miles to get back to the place where God wanted him to be. Running from God often creates a long, hard road home. But if you're going to run, you just can't care about that. If you're going to run away from God, you've got to accept there's going to be some separation. Now, the next thing that you have to put in your backpack, there's five items that you've got to put in your backpack. The next thing that you have to put in your backpack is this. You must be apathetic about those who are closest to you. You must be apathetic. So let me throw a little apathy in here. Okay, we got some apathy in our bag. If you're going to blow through the stop sign and run from God, you better pack some apathy in your bag. You cannot afford to care uh, about anyone else but yourself. And and it's going to take all the energy in the world for you to concentrate on yourself. You cannot care about anyone else if you're going to run away from God. Jonah gets on board the boat. God sends a storm. In and and this storm, uh, 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 out on the boat the, the boat, the Bible says the boat began to break up. The storm was so terrible. The other people on the boat were terrified. They knew the storm wasn't for them. They knew the storm was for this man called Jonah. You see, the other sailors that were in the same boat with Jonah, they suffer too because of Jonah's disobedience. Huh. I've heard people excuse their lousy lifestyle choices their addictions, their sinful thought patterns, or their harmful behaviors by saying, it's my life, I'm going to do what I want with my life, my life doesn't hurt anybody else, and so leave me alone. I just say, that's a wrong attitude. Our behaviors and our lives are enmeshed with the lives of everybody on board the boat with us. And that's our spouse and our children and our grandchildren and our co-workers and our friends and our our church family. People are affected by what you choose to do and what you choose not to do. And when we sin, the consequence of our sin has tentacles that reach out and affect everybody who's near us kind of like holding a live grenade to your chest you defiantly say I can do what I want I can say what I want I can go where I want to go leave me alone and then you pull the pin the problem is is that when that grenade explodes you cannot control where the shrapnel goes you don't get to choose the direction of the damage. In tears I've had people come to me say, If I had only known how this would have affected my coworkers like that, I'd have never done that. Or if I would have only known that it had broken my wife's heart or my husband's heart, I would have never done that. If only I would have known I'm cutting scars across the souls of my children, I would have never done that. And there are people seated here today, that would be your testimony. I would have never done that had I known the shrapnel effect and damage. Seeing those sinful Choices of people who said, I'm just going to do my own thing. Cost marriages, lives, relationships. If you're running from God, you can't think about that though. Let me help you here. You cannot think about those consequences if you're going to run from God. But I'm so thankful that in our story, Jonah's heart began to soften. You read this story and and he's, he tells the sailors, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. He's, he's close. He's on his way to turning back to God at that point. Do you know, there could be someone here this morning, you have a family member that's praying this prayer right now for you. Ezekiel 36 says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. If you're running from God, you cannot have a tender heart. You've got to make sure you've packed your apathy. You cannot care about how much life hurts others, how much your actions scar others, how your attitudes break the heart of others. You cannot care. You cannot care. You must have an apathetic attitude if you're going to run away from God successfully. Number three is a big one. And you really have to be careful here because God has captured the hearts of many of a runaway because they didn't do this one very well. Listen to number three. In your backpack, you must at all costs, you must avoid God when times are tough. So you've got to avoid God when times are tough. You cannot need God. It's all up to you. This is where Jonah really was stopped as he ran away from God. He did not do this one well at all. He caved in. He was a, He's a disgrace at running away from God. He didn't do it right. You, if you want to run from God, you have to understand that you have to move from a place of dependence to a place of independence. Uh, you have to understand that it's all about you. You can take care of everything. You can make it through life. Listen to Jonah's testimony at the end of chapter number 1. Beginning in the first part of chapter 2. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said this. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. And out of the belly of hell cried, high, and thou heardest my voice? For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy ways passed over me. Down in verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He failed. Remember, if you're going to run away from God and be successful, you have to avoid God when times are tough. He said, My prayer came unto thee, into thine holy temple. In verse number 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. If you're going to run away from God successfully, let me tell you something. You cannot pray, you cannot talk to God. What's that all about? If you're going to run away from God, it's up to you. You've got to be strong enough to carry all of your worry. You've got to be smart enough to solve all of your problems. You've got to be rich enough to pay all of your debts. You've got to be healthy enough to live forever. I'm not talking about independence here. You uh, uh, About dependence, I'm talking about independence. You've got to pack in your backpack to be successful a whole lot of independence. I've got to be independent. I've got to do this on my own. You've got to be big enough bad enough strong enough rich enough you've got to be well enough I mean it's you and nobody else don't pray here's the deal if you ever totally humble yourself and you sincerely admit your need for God and you're and you understand that I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek this morning and you understand that you're in that low place like Jonah was there's some things that God promises to do for you. Now, those are in your notes there. We're going to just mention those uh, uh, and quickly move on. But there's four things that he's going to provide for you when you're down. When your marriage is falling apart. When your relationship as work is falling apart. When you have a relationship with one of your children that's falling apart. When you have a relationship within the church that's falling apart. When your health is falling apart. When you don't know where to go. There's some things that he will provide for you when you run to him. I see he'll provide strength. Whenever we are weak, we cry out to God. He promises if you want his help, he'll give you strength. And Psalm, uh, the psalmist wrote, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto uh, unto God. This is talked about so many times in the Bible. He says, he delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. I also see that he will provide God will provide for your needs I didn't say he would give you everything that you want but he'll provide for your needs the psalmist again wrote behold God is mine helper the Lord is with them that uphold my soul I will freely sacrifice unto thee I will praise thy name O Lord for it is good for he hath delivered me out of all trouble and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies God will also provide help you're here this morning you need Need help God will provide that help the Bible says in Isaiah 25 for thou hast been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in his distress a refuge from the storm a shatter from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall he will provide help Romans 5 Verse 7 says this, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so thankful that God will also provide comfort. God will provide comfort. You're distressed. He'll comfort you. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. May I ask you a sobering question? What's it going to take for you to turn back to him? Is it going to take another storm in your life? Three days in the digestive tract of a big fish? Is it going to take you coming to a place of utter helplessness in order for you to turn back to God? If you're running from God this morning, I've got good news. If you want to stop running from God, if you want to stop at the stop sign and listen to him, he will let you. But if you want to face all your troubles on your own, all your pain and all your crisis, he'll also let you do that as well. But I'm talking to those people, you're super independent. You you enjoy this running from God. You're here this morning because you were made to come to church. So take your bag out, get ready for number four. got to do something else. You cannot, under any circumstance, acknowledge God's grace. It's important. You cannot acknowledge God's grace. So go ahead and put that one in your backpack as well. You just can't do that. You cannot at any point look over your shoulder and say, God's been good to me. God has done some great things to me. You cannot acknowledge His grace and mercy. When I look at this story, uh, if Jonah would have just looked over his shoulder, he would have seen that God had His arms outstretched, ready to embrace him. If you read all 48 verses of Jonah uh, correctly, you'll see God was pursuing Jonah all through his life. In verse number 1, God is talking to Jonah and he's laying out this plan for Jonah's life maybe God's been talking to you uh, and as you read this story, you'll see God's footprints all over the place. Uh, God loved Jonah and embraced Jonah with his grace. And you can see God sending the ship to care uh, for Jonah. He sends a storm to wake up Jonah. He sends sailors to help Jonah. He even created a great fish to spare Jonah's life. And uh, it wasn't uh, it may not have been pleasant, but it was protection. And it's even God's grace that allowed the fish to finally... Uh, uh, vomit Jonah up on dry land, and if you're running from God, you're trampling under his feet all the moments of God's mercy in your life, wouldn't it wouldn't you be great if you just allowed him to deal with you and turn back to him? Wouldn't you have to say that God's been trying to get your attention for a long time now, and you've been ignoring his mercy Can't you just see the footprints of God following you, pursuing you with grace and love? Since the day you were born, God has desired a relationship with you, and yet you say, No, no, I'm independent. I'm going to avoid. I want to be separated from God. I don't want any guidelines about life. I don't want His grace and mercy. Just leave me alone. I just say the God of heaven created you for relationship. For some of you... He's put friends in your life that have been trying to point you to God. Some of you have family members, and they're they're trying to encourage you in that direction. And for some of you, God has allowed circumstances to, to come to your attention, to draw you to himself so that you can understand he created you. He loves you. God said in Psalm 95 today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. If you're going to run from God, you cannot afford to have a soft heart. In fact, it's very important. If you're going to do that, you've got to have some pride in your life. You've got to have a lot of pride. And you just have to say, I know better. And so I'm going to put that in my bag too. Whoops, one jumped out there. Getting back in there. He's trying to get right with the Lord. We've got to have a lot of pride. Pride will, pride, will, pride will say, I don't need God. It's pride that says, God's not interested in me, and I'm not interested in him. It's pride that says, I'm going to live my life my way. So God, stay on your side of the street. I'm going to stay on this side of the street. Leave me alone. That's pride i got to be honest with you, Jonah couldn't do it. He wasn't able to keep running. He started caring about the, those around him in the boat, and he couldn't stand separation from God very long. And when life began to hurt, he asked God for help. And, and you know what? The God that had been pursuing him with love and grace and mercy responded and rescued Jonah. It's great. But I'm still having convinced some of you say, I'm going to live my life my way. Well, there's a fifth thing that you absolutely must have in your backpack of life. You must abandon God's plan for your life. So you must abandon God's plan for your life. Said another way, you must trade God's purpose for chaos. You might as well pack a whole bunch of chaos in your bag. Uh, This is the life I'm going to choose, not God's plan for me with increasing levels of love and joy. I don't want that. I don't want God's protection and provision and presence. I'm choosing instead to live the chaos of a self-directed, pride-filled, chaotic life. I want to live the tentative, futile, dangerous life like a candle in the wind. That's what I want. I'll just abandon God's plan for my life. After Jonah stopped running, he decided to turn toward God. There are some precious words in the Bible. If you still have your Bibles open to Jonah chapter 3, I'd like for you to at least look at Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. You say, I'm struggling. I identify. I've lived my life my way for a long time. There's no hope for me. If that's you, one of the greatest verses to encourage you in all of the word of God is Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. After Jonah ran away from God, after Jonah turned his back on God, I want you to listen to this, please. God still had a plan for Jonah. And if you're running away, if you're on the other side of the street, this is my side of the street, God, you stay over there. And you've abandoned. And you're separated. And your life is full of pride. And your life is chaotic. And it's all about you. It's all about me. What I I want to do. But you've come to that point and you say, oh, I'd love to come back. But, but God can't use me. You don't understand all the things I've done. Jonah 3 verse 1 says this. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. To keep running from God, you cannot believe that God gives second chances. To believe that you would jump at the chance to have a clear, uh, fresh, clean start with God. Uh, and to, to abandon that hope is foolishness. May I just tell you the Lord has a plan for your life. There's something in the human spirit that loves to get revenge. And we believe that God is like that. May I just tell you not the God I serve. Maybe you heard about a soldier way back years ago in Operation Desert Storm. He received that dear John letter while he was overseas his girlfriend wrote him a letter and broke up and she actually included these words in in her letter would you please return the picture of me in my jeans with the cowboy hat I need it for my engagement picture hurts the guy was devastated but his buddies came to his rescue, and those fellow soldiers, they went through the entire camp. They collected all the pictures of all the girlfriends, of all the soldiers, and put them in a shoebox. And the brokenhearted soldier, he sent the shoebox back to the girl, and he put this note inside. Please find the picture and return the rest, because for the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. That same guy's like this. You know, we often have the entire wrong picture of God. Like God delights in punishing, that God loves to judge, and that God loves to wreak vengeance down on those who sin. We don't believe that God really cares. May I say this? He does. Amen. He does. Most people don't believe that God's reaching out, but He is. Most people believe that God wants to judge, but He doesn't. Most people believe that God gives it up on us so easily, but He won't. And most believe people believe it's too hard to get saved, but it's not. I have to tell you, I've known the Lord for now for over 35 years, and, and He's been with me my whole life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I know that God knows all about me. And I have to, I've I've come to know this about Him. God hates my sin, but God still loves Brent. He hates what sin does to me, and he still loves me. He hates what your sin does to others, and he still loves you. But I also knew this about him. God, the more that God hates sin, he even more loves to forgive our sin. He really does. God desires to forgive more than he desires to judge. And I know this for a, a fact about God. Even Jonah had to acknowledge this about God. If you read the, the book of Jonah, it only take you about 15 to 20 minutes to read the whole book. And you'll see that Jonah says three very specific things about God. And as I conclude my message this morning, let me share those three thoughts that Jonah shares with all of us. First he said this, God, I know you're gracious. The Hebrew word wraps up this idea of grace as an undeserved favor and what we deserve is bad and what we get is favor and we don't deserve it. That's grace. Jonah says, God, I know that you you give me what I don't deserve. You are a life-giving, gracious God. I know this about you. May I just say that same God that gave Jonah a second chance is the same God that gives us 30, 40, 50 chances. Jonah said this, God... I know that you're compassionate. God, I know that you're compassionate. This is the picture of a womb, the picture of a mother's love. It's the picture of being cared for and carried in the warmth and the embrace of a mother's tummy. Jonah said, God, I know that, that you're just like that. Uh, God desires to come alongside and be compassionate to you. Jonah says this, God, I know that you are filled with loving kindness. God, I know that you're filled with loving kindness. Some of you need a dose of that this morning. God's loving kindness. And every time Christians and churches have communion or take the Lord's Supper and we drink that little juice, it's to remind us of the new covenant, the new promise of God. He says this, I'm ready to forgive you. I love you. And Jonah said, God, I know you're just like that. You're ready to forgive. How does this picture stack up with the picture of God that you've been thinking about in your mind. We love John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I love that next verse there. Just to summarize, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. May I just tell you that it is the desire of God to save everyone who will listen to his word. Hypothetically, I don't want to abandon God's plan for my life. I want to start doing God's plan. What is this plan for me, you ask? And I'm glad that you're thinking about that. So what is God's plan? First and foremost, God's plan is that you would come to know him, to love him. It's as simple as that, that you would come to know and love him and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And just like 11 precious people did last week, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he desires to have a relationship with you. The second thing is, in God's plan, is that as a demonstration of your love, that you would live your life for him. You would discover his plan and do his plan. That's it. That you would know him and love him and show your, your your love by living your life for him. That was God's plan for Jonah. He wanted Jonah to experience his love. He wanted Jonah to tell others about his love, uh, specifically to the Ninevites, a wicked, wicked people. God wants you to first to know him and to love him. And then he wants you to make his love known to your neighbors and to your coworkers and to your kids and to your parents and, and to the faraway places in the world. God has a global agenda and he wants you to be a part of it. You say, if that's his plan, can God really use me? I've been running away from him. I ask you to simply look at Jonah. Jonah... Was the first missionary basically mentioned in the Bible, and he's the worst. He went the wrong direction. He's the worst preacher in the whole Bible. He complained, and he was grumpy. Yet he came to know, and he came to experience God's love. He preached one of the greatest revivals in all of the Bible. For when he went through, and he said this, he went through the city. He was bleached out from being three days in that and that belly of of the great fish. And as he went through the city, he went to tell people, "Hey, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die if you don't repent. You're going to die." Yep, God said, you're going to die. You're going to die if you don't repent. You're going to die. You're going to die. That was his message. His message was doom and gloom. And guess what? An entire city of tens of thousands of people returned, confessed their sin, and turned to God. God can use you. God desires to use you. And there's some of you say, God can't do it. You just don't understand my history. You don't understand my addictions. You don't understand my past. You don't understand my failures. You don't understand my sins. You don't understand my shortcomings. You're right, I don't, but he does. And he says, I'll forgive you. And and God's powerful enough to work through men and women with bad theology or mixed motives or hard hearts or, or flawed politics. And as badly as we might even communicate that message and as badly as he might live, he somehow uses us. It's amazing. God desires to use us. It's our hope as Christians, as a church, that God would use the Jonas that are among us this morning. The reassuring lesson here is clear. God used and uses people to change the world. May I just say it again? God uses people, not super saints, not super humans. God has used crooks and creeps. God has used lovers and liars, and God has used them all. And because what we lack in perfection, God makes up for in his love. Here's a cool truth. God doesn't need me, but he wants me. God doesn't need Brent, but he wants Brent. Here's the same cool truth for you. God doesn't need you. He wants you. God wants you. The question then becomes, am I living my life knowing and experiencing God's love? And and, and am I in any way helping others to know and experience God's love also? But if you're running from God, that might not matter to you yet. I have to tell you, though, it matters to me. It matters to me whether you have known or experienced in God's love. It matters to me if you have a relationship with him. I don't want you to die and go to hell. If, if I'm like uh, Jonah walking through the, uh, the city of Tucson and walking through the aisles of Tucson Baptist Church, if you don't repent, you're going to die. If you don't repent, you're going to die. If you don't love Jesus, you repent, you're going to die and go to a place called hell. If that's the only message you get and it turns you back to God, then praise the Lord. May I just say... Every one of us, God has a will for our life. But there are those who choose. Now, we've looked at five things here this morning. That's not good for the broken arm. All right, let's go this way. Some of you, you've packed up your bag. You're super independent. You're running. You're doing your own thing. Church is optional. I go to church when I want to. If it's convenient, I go to church, you're a Jonah. Hey, I'll drink my occasional whatever. And there's people here this morning that you've gotten stoned out of your mind this past week. And you tell your kids, don't do it. As they watch you do it. There's people here this morning that you're making choices and you know what they are. That's not God's will. You know that you're supposed to be giving back to the Lord in your time and your talents and your treasures and you're not doing any of it. Your home's a firefight. As soon as you get in the car, there'll be an argument. You argued on the way to church. Joy? Why would there be joy? I'm living my life the way I want to. Here's the problem. The longer you carry this bag, the slower you get. To become paralyzed and ineffective at all. I would not want to carry this bag on a race. And yet the Bible says I'm in a race. I wouldn't want to carry this bag if I was going to cross the Green Canyon because it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. There's some of you you're carrying a heavy bag, the bag has weighed you down, it's full of pride, chaos. Abandonment, separation It's full of me And I'm doing my life my way I say this morning Church family Those who are watching by live stream It's time to throw down the bag It's time to be liberated It's time to understand What Jonah heard from the Lord A second time Jonah Okay, you messed up Turn around. It's going to be a hard road to get back, but let's get back to where I want you to be. Some of you, that's where you are this morning. It's time to turn around and get back to where the Lord wants you.